Hey everyone, uh, welcome to this week's episode of The Followers. And this week we have decided to take it right back to a very uh, specific and kind of individual topic. Um, so we're going to speak about protein today. It's going to be uh, first in a little bit of a series uh, on our three macronutrients. And um, then we'll develop that out into how to manage uh, overall intake for sporting endeavors as well as just everyday life eventually. So we're back again with um, John, uh, Shane and myself. So without further ado, let's let's jump right in. Um, did uh, Yeah, so protein, what is it? Why do we need it? Shane, uh, have you any particular thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I suppose protein's kind of your go-to supplement like when you think supplements nine out of ten people are going to think a big big tub of gold standard way like that's kind of what people see when they see supplements i'm assuming on the, on the sports performance route it was probably the the biggest one or the kind of first real supplement that kind of broke into the market but in essence it's one of the main figures so it's one of your macronutrients your protein carbohydrates fats and its main goal is going to be recovery uh, recovery of the muscle so in its simplest form when you work out or when you train you're going to break down the muscle protein is there to help build that muscle back up that little bit stronger so it's you're breaking it down and then it's just repairing coming through so kind of the main things the people kind of don't get about protein is they tend to like fluctuate their intake especially athletes in days that they're not training compared to days that they do so for example like everyone would think oh straight after i go to the workout or gym i'll just have a protein shake and say if they're going training say if they're training weights in the morning and then they have a football session in the evening protein shake after both of them that's fine getting their protein in but then you find when they don't do that on maybe a rest day or a down day, you, they don't get their daily requirements. So they kind of let that slip. So I was trying to explain it like, say if you get a cut on your arm, it'll kind of scab over, but it doesn't just magically regenerate completely in kind of overnight when you're asleep. It's still repairing, it's still scabbing over the next few days. That's kind of how your muscles are working as well. So the protein is still working through the recovery process, even when you're not training. So it's almost nearly more important on those days when you're not training to make sure that it is recovering at its highest level so it's a recovery tool that's so important and it really is it's something that people they do pay attention to it but they think once they've got it in that window that's all the protein they need if that makes sense i don't know if you guys agree yeah i would uh one of the main things that i do come across when people do discuss protein is similar to there is that they're looking at um the their protein intake from a supplement and completely ignoring the rest of their diet and how <clears throat> I know we've discussed this previously but how you can consider whey protein um, or casein to be a food in itself um, and while this is the case uh, you, like all we get from that is uh, our, our amino acids we don't get anything else whereas eating our <clears throat> I suppose going down the uh, food route is is my is the first port of call uh, when it comes to getting um, getting protein on board, um, I suppose just diet or any dietary um, changes or interventions or approaches, it's always food first. Uh, it should always be food first. But um, I do find that I I'm regularly in a conversation with people <clears throat> who are trying to, like you said, <clears throat> cover over you know cover over a wound with uh, you know like with a plaster where. It actually needs a lot more work than that. So that's often how people look at whey protein or uh, supplementing with protein, um, that, that this is how they should be getting their protein in and in that short time window and that that's it. Whereas in actual fact, uh, like a, a better approach is to, is your overall protein intake across 
across the day and having it in uh, regular kind of uh, intervals too, uh, following your almost your, your main meal pattern with, you know, a, a very traditional kind of way of going about it could be, you know, your three main meals and two snacks in the day and having sufficient level of protein at, at each one of those, um, each one of those points uh, of, of, uh, of eating or of intake. Um, I suppose with that, I, I, I do you, to get the, uh, to uh, bring about muscle protein synthesis, which uh, we need for uh, muscle recovery um, uh, and uh, repair and, uh, and building is to ensure we're getting in sufficient level of protein as well at each one of those intervals. So while the overall intake across the day, uh, you know, is important, uh, ensuring that you're getting in about 20 grams of protein at at a, a meal or in a snack is uh, is is incredibly important too um as for the overall uh, intake a lot of that like working that out can be quite individual so we can put a blanket kind of statement there for athletes or um people who partake in in um maybe resistance type sport or repeat sprintability type sport that maybe you should be somewhere in the region of 1.6 or 1.8 grams to 2.2 grams per kg of body weight um again that that's just a general range a lot of people uh do try to tend to go towards that that two gram per kg of body weight uh range uh, until they start to see how how much food that actually means that they have to eat and how how full they are throughout their day. Um, so uh, education around, you know, um, getting in good quality uh, protein uh, through your through your food in your in, in your normal diet uh, can be key in that regard. That you're not trying to, uh, and this is often where I do come across uh, uh, athletes, especially or your everyday gym goer, possibly as well, actually looking for their supplement to try and meet those goals uh, because they're unsure of how to actually get enough or sufficient levels of protein in in their diet without stuffing themselves massively um, depending on what you're doing then if you're focusing on weight loss or um, you know maybe you, you maybe you don't actually require that uh, significant uh, level of protein it, it, it can be quite individual the amount that you should need but all, uh, from a kind of a blanket approach I generally have uh, advise people to be in that 1.8 to 2.2 grams per kg of body weight um, area. Yeah, so that's just looking at the, the overall amount of protein. We'll probably dig in a bit deeper there. There's a few studies I was just looking up over the last few days. I was writing a blog post on this last night. Once we dig a bit deeper into the total amount of protein, we'll start examining different types. If you're getting your protein from a few different sources, does that make a difference to, to what you said earlier there? Damien, the, the muscle protein synthesis, how we look at what that is and, and how it actually happens in the body, and then maybe touch on time and particularly the, the impact of it being more spread out across our day. So you were saying there the 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kg. Now, that might go over a few people's heads. What we mean there is that your overall weight in kilograms, so say if you're an 80 kg athlete, that means you're looking for 1.6, or if, if we just stick to two to keep it around number for the start, if you're looking for two grams per kg of body weight, an 80 kg athlete is looking to eat 160 grams of protein across an entire day and pretty much every day. The two grams is realistically at the higher end of what you require. Like 1.6, 1.8 tends to be enough. And I would 
dig into that in a bit of detail as well. Some of the research I was looking over the last few days kind of gave me a bit of guidance on how we can refine that down a bit further. But if you're just to think real basically, a standard scoop of whey protein tends to have about 24 grams of protein. A chicken fillet tends to have about 30. A, a large steak would be up around 40, 45. An egg has six. So you can start to see then how, how much you actually need to eat across the day to get that full whether it be 160, 150, 170 grams of protein in a day. Um, and as well, to break down the, the recommendations, the 1.6 to 2.2, as much as I can see, if you divide that into three separate categories, 1.6 to 1.8 tends to work quite well if you're trying to put on weight, particularly lean mass. Mm. I don't think anyone really goes out on fat, maybe. But uh, how that works is because protein can be so satiating, or satiating and what i mean but it, it tends to fill you up more than other food other macronutrients like carbohydrate or fat so because it fills you more it's harder to actually get more calories on board so staying at the lower end of protein ingestion or whatever protein recommendations works quite well putting on weight because it leaves more room to eat more carbohydrate which doesn't fill you up as quick and also fuels the workouts you need to put in to put on the extra muscle mass the 1.8 to 2.0 grams per kg then works well if you're trying to maintain weight and then go above the 2 gram per kg if you're looking to lose a bit of weight. Two re- the, first, the main reason people have thought this is important is because having higher levels of protein will help you hold on to more muscle. Now, Eric Helms' masters found that that didn't really have much of an impact. They compared one group having 1.6 grams per kg and another group having 2.8 grams per kg on a slight calorie deficit over a period of time to look at uh, muscle loss. And they actually found there was no real difference in terms of the protein content on the two of them. The most important thing was to make sure you're still being exposed to resistance trend or weight trend. That that's the key in holding on to muscle if you're trying to lose weight. That where having the higher protein intake is really helpful because it just leaves you feeling fuller for longer. And because that's taken up a lot of your calories, there's less variability in the carbohydrate and fat that you eat. It just means there's less room then to go eat kind of your high sugar, high fat stuff that doesn't leave you feeling as full. It often tends to leave you want to eat a bit more of whatever it is and just leaves you in a bit more control of your diet. So, and then if we were to go above that again, the, above the 2.2 range, while all Jose Antonio's work would suggest it does you no harm, it just becomes quite expensive to, to actually live that way. Um, now, I know some people push their carnivore diet, and we certainly won't be here, but, um, and some people say it's great for you, whereas to be missing out on some of those major nutrients and macronutrients, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense, but it would yeah. become a very, very expensive diet to try and follow. Um, that's kind of stuff I've been looking into around overall protein intake. Um, would you have any kind of follow-on to that? No, just in addition to um, the cost of eating, say if you take your your front uh, row or second row in rugby, uh, if you're taking somebody who's in that regard, to eat, there's the cost of eating two, uh, you know, two or 2.2 grams uh, per, of, of, uh, per kg of body weight of protein there would be huge for your athlete who'd be 100 kg to 100 25 kg 130 kg like that there's a, 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 a the, the cost of that would be huge but the actual quantity of food uh that you'd have to eat there the quantity of satiating food uh it, it's it's pretty uh it's, it's pretty big um so for, for people in in that regard who, who might be looking to um 
say you take somebody like you take that that, that rugby athlete for example who like we'll go at the very high end uh, of this but if you take that rugby athlete there who um who may be at that hundred and say twenty odd range and they might be trying to bring themselves down to you know maybe the hundred and fifteen range or, or or so you know maybe drop a bit of weight that. Uh, with the level of training that they do go through uh often they they're gymming four or five days in the week with two ses- sessions on the field they're putting themselves through quite a lot so recovery is 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 huge for them having sufficient levels of protein in there is, is massive but to ensure that they're filling themselves uh, and often when when you get to that size you do have quite an appetite to fill themselves that that, that can be uh quite beneficial but um you know to to push up to that range but there's no need and uh, it, there's no need to continue that long term you know if if you're bringing your weight down you're heading in the right direction um you know you you, you can tend to 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 bring you can like you said there Mark, bring your protein level down and make eating a, that little bit more i suppose easier uh, uh you know because it, it it can be quite a chore and uh it can almost be you know uh, it, like like you know you used to go to the gym to do structured training you know you're you're almost structuring your day very specifically to to hit that protein goal but uh, which it, that can be quite tough uh, especially for say semi-pro or amateur athletes there who uh, who who have to work a job as well like that can be very very tough undertaking so just it is important to keep in mind that you can you know that it, it isn't something you have to keep going long term it can be used as a you know, raising uh, up your protein for a short term uh, to help you get to a specific target um, and that then you can recover efficiently while on that those lower intakes is, is, is important. Uh, and again, it, it it's often where guys do kind of stick to, you know, supplementing as, as their route to try and get that, that level of intake uh, up as high as it needs to be. Um, but again, it, it, it's not something that has to be long term. It can be a beneficial, beneficial short term to, to make it a little bit easier. But um, yeah, thinking thinking outside the box, you know, not not looking at this and going like, all right, I have to do this for the rest of my days. Uh, you, you can just use it for a short period of time. Um, yeah, that's that's the only thing that I, I do see a lot of is in guys who are that big um, that, that it can be can be a bit of a struggle to keep it going. One of the things about high protein intake as well, the three of us are, are quite used to having a high protein diet. So to, to us now, it's become a moderate protein diet because it's it's just normalized for us. And that like eating 1.8 grams per kg would be a very normal day of eating. Whereas if you could compare that to the, the public health guidelines, where 0.8, like less than half that is the actual public recommendation public health recommendation for, for protein intake like you're actually doubling that to even meet the, the kind of what the, the athletic population is so while people who are not used to eating relatively high in protein would look at us and, and we'll give a few suggestions as we go on today of how to meet that in a in a day and across two meals be like that is so much how do you manage it once you get used to it you realize that not like we would find it very normalized and even hearing of people who eat ridiculously high levels of protein is probably not a huge pile on top of what we're generally going for um so to i suppose to wrap that little section up there a high protein diet to us is very very high a moderate protein diet to us now is probably quite a bit higher than what a lot of, lot of people who are, are probably just getting into trend or who, who aren't fully aware of having relatively high levels of protein across the day um fully is and then the other bit on 
as well as the expense of eating relatively high in protein, it takes a bit of effort and planning. Now, if you want to eat some carbohydrate, you can eat a piece of fruit. It's quite easy to make a bit of pasta, a bit of rice, some spuds, whatever that way. Whereas protein will generally need to be cooked or prepared in advance in some form. So it does take that a little bit more planning. And as well, we look at a few kind of, a few kind of tips for that as we go on. Just in terms of overall protein content, when you get into the, the bodybuilding first chain, did you find that something hard to adjust at? Um, yes and no. So I was kind of more, I would have been high enough protein anyway, because I would have been coming from a sporting background and looking to get, kind of just maximize my time in the gym. So it would have been a little bit, but I nearly would have gone Obviously, when I first started out and I didn't really know as much as I know now, I almost would have gone completely in the opposite direction and really overshot my protein intake because that's, that's what all the magazines said to do. That's kind of what you saw on TV. That's what you ever read, like an article that says Ronnie Coleman has 300 grams of protein before he does his seven-hour arm workout. That's kind of just the general gist you got at like a younger age. So I would have overshot it. And then as I kind of grew to, knew, to know more, my carbohydrate intake would have increased, my fat intake would have increased, and protein would have come down in line with that. So initially, as I kind of went for that, it just seemed like I was trying to just eat as much protein as I could all the time. And then as I actually adjusted to what is a high-protein diet, rather than, say, the hyper-protein diet I would have done at first, it was kind of, like you said, it was kind of normalized already. So it was easier to scale, because I was almost scaling back down to a high-protein diet because of the mistakes I'd made previously. But again, what it is, like it's a very big thing to adjust to if you're used to a, a diet that's quite high in carbohydrates and fat. And again, trying to push. But the only thing I would say on that is the 0.8, the public health guidelines, is probably too low for your general population anyway. So again, I'd love, I would never recommend anyone to be below one gram per kilogram body fat, or from really on body weight, sorry. And even, so even if you take away the protein requirements completely out of the equation, if you're only a 0.8 protein, it leaves a lot that has to be filled with fats and carbohydrates for someone who is only following that so they're admittedly not an athletic person so they don't need that energy that they're going to be getting from the carbohydrates and fats so it's it's almost creating that weight gain cycle before it's even started if you're trying to just stick to that point eight that's how i feel anyway and then obviously there's the fact that they're not getting enough protein in to help recover i suppose that's just to prevent muscle breakdown uh realistically it's just to at that bottom end is is really just to prevent muscle uh, disappearing. Um, yeah, which it, you're right though, it is way too low. Um, and it, it is something though that it, it often does get cited, uh, not necessarily by, not, not by professionals, uh, but um, it does get cited by uh, your lay person uh, quite a little bit that like, oh, when you're, when, I might be suggesting to increase protein across the day in line with uh, maybe an uptake in exercise or whatever like that for a, somebody who's a complete beginner um, that they kind of look at it like, whoa, 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 this is, I, I, I know that this is the public health guidelines. Why, why must I go well beyond that? And it is important that people do understand that there's, there's a difference between public health guidelines and having enough for what you're, you know, to, to move more towards what might be considered an optimal uh, type of approach. Because the stigma is still kind of that protein is like just a performance supplement. Like people will hear protein, they'll be like, oh sure, I don't want to be massive and think like if they eat over that point eight that they're automatically going to put on 20 kilos of muscle and just, it's that, it's going to be that easy, like it's all in the protein. It's just, it's still, it's, it's changed, like it's got a lot better, but there's still that kind of negative correlation with it. 
I wonder how many uh, Irish mothers around the uh, around the country have uh, dumped protein. Bait their children uh, for, for having yeah. ster- steroids. <laughs> you don't need to be on those steroids, and it's uh, whey protein dumped. <laughs> Too important. Just little things to note before we go on to looking at different types of protein that. Public health guidelines are generally made at the very lower end just to ensure people aren't deficient in something. And that if we were to look at public health recommendations for exercise, the actual recommendations here are to have to do resistance training at least twice a week just to be healthy. So if you are doing resistance training twice a week, then you probably need higher protein to actually help you recover from that anyway. So either way, it doesn't really make sense for it to be that low. I think it was just a case of what is the minimum we could put out here that people wouldn't get unhealthy from that they that the general population or even the lower end of general population in terms of health would actually manage to get in because I think if we were to actually measure protein intake across the population and bear in mind most of these recommendations come from America that the actual protein intake could be so low per kg of body weight mm-hmm. and that if they set it any higher you'd have so few people meeting it that would just end up becoming completely ignored mm-hmm. the other point I'd make on general recommendations that when people think they need to put on weight and I see this so often in, particularly in SNC coaches with a moderate to low grasp of nutrition, they will really push protein on people who are trying to gain some weight. And that if you go into a group and say, yeah, no, they're doing a lot of gym work, they want to put on a bit of weight, I'm just trying to tell them, eat more protein, eat more protein, eat more protein. Then you, as the nutritionist, comes in and chats to the, the player or the athlete. They're like, I'm just eating so much protein, like I, I can't cope with it all. And you work out how much you're eating and up around 250 grams a day, and this is a 70 kg athlete, you're like, yeah, maybe go easy on that a bit. You're absolutely stuffed from it. There's certainly no need for all that to help you recover. We need to cut that way back and take out a third of it. Get a shot of carbohydrate there, both to boost your energy levels in the gym and just to make a bit more room in your stomach to help digest all this and get more calories on board. They're just two bits of bond there. To look at the actual type of protein, so you can say that you can get your protein from meat. You can certainly meet pro- the protein recommendations, although it would be a little harder from from non-meat or plant-based sources. And then you have the supplements. Have any of you any thoughts on how the different types of protein would impact overall synthesis, improve breakdown, anything like that? Um, actually, Damien, with your, with your completely biased background, having worked in the supplement industry, would you start us off there and make the case for are supplements helpful? Um, they are helpful when <clears throat> the rest of your diet is in, in tune. Uh, Shane, I think you said it uh, perfectly a few episodes back that a supplement is there. The key is in the name. It's the supplement your diet um, to help you meet um, gaps or to uh, fill in gaps that you otherwise can't get from your diet. So if your diet is not something that's of any focus uh, by you and you're looking down a supplement route then you're completely missing the wood from the trees uh, and you do need to kind of bring yourself back a little bit and uh, and reassess where you're at now supplements can be brilliant especially for somebody as i was saying a while ago who might be up trying to get the higher end of um of intake you know from a protein perspective um or for somebody who has to have a very maybe competes at a quite a high level and has quite a short turnaround between training sessions so say 24 hours uh you know between training sessions then you you want to ensure that you've recovered um and that you've started your recovery process as soon as possible uh 
following a training session, then yeah, the likes of whey protein there with a mix with a banana, like right after a field session or you know right after a gym session to get your recovery process going, could be uh, is quite beneficial. You know, for a lot of people who are in those uh, time uh, restricted uh, recovery windows. Um, however, again, if that's all that you're focused on is that quick uh, recovery and then the the rest of your protein intake across the day across that 24 hour period or in general you know across your your day to day every day if it's uh, not good then that you know speed of uh, you know getting that recovery process going off the mark is you know it it it's it's not going to do anything you know anything wonderful it's not going to make you uh it's not going to help you improve as an athlete or improve your training uh, because it it does your overall intake across the day does matter so much um more more so than just hitting that 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 immediate window that people love to to focus in on um so there's quite a, like a little bit there's a couple of moving parts there but the first thing i would say is you are looking at your overall intake from a food first perspective and then if if you're struggling um and or of any specific things in that time you know to focus in on on uh to focus in on them afterwards but first and foremost your overall intake throughout the day is key and it should be food first now uh in with that um you know having a variety of different uh sources of protein is uh is a good idea too um as we get so much more from the foods that we are eating you know we just we we don't just eat protein you know we eat food and we uh, it contains protein it might contain uh, some carbohydrate or some fat uh, all of which have uh, you know parts to play in our in our overall um, development and I suppose our, our existence in general um, but the, as well as a host of different micronutrients vitamins minerals as well so we don't just eat protein as in a vacuum you know like that that's what whey protein is you know that that it is just those amino acids but from a, a dietary perspective you know mixing it you know across your day it, it can be quite easy and or it can it, it, i suppose it can be quite easy when you when you're in our position to to figure that out but um just pulling yourself back and taking a look at what foods you like to eat how you like to structure your your main meals uh in the day and then uh try, you know keeping in mind the foods that you do enjoy and just ensure that you're having enough from those. Uh, and with that, I, I suppose it, it's even more important for people who are vegetarian or um, vegan uh, athletes that that they are making sure that they're they're not going down, say, uh, a line of having. So if we, if we take your 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 normal everyday person who follows a kind of a, a, just a, a general diet, you know, they might have some. Your Greek yogurt for breakfast, um, or um, or something like that. You know where they they'll get sufficient level of protein from that one source, and they might have chicken chicken breast for lunch, and they'll get enough amino acids from that chicken uh, at lunch to you know um, to meet uh, to meet their uh, muscle to bring about muscle protein synthesis through hitting their leucine threshold. But um, you won't you you don't you don't get that from any one plant source of protein. So it is important that you mix and match different plant sources so that you're bringing in a variety of different amino acids from different plant sources, uh, which will bring about, you know, um, uh, you know, that uh, which will help you to um, bring about uh, meeting that leucine threshold to bring about muscle protein synthesis. So 
that's the only area that I would be kind of like, right, you do need to focus in a little bit more here and ensure you're getting, you know, two or three different uh, sources of of, uh, of protein in, in, in a meal there if you are vegetarian or vegan. Um, however, for, the, for your normal everyday diet, you, you can hit, you know, you, you can get enough in, um, you know, through one, one food group. All right. I'm not even sure if that answered the question there, to be honest with you, Mark, I just kind of left a load of stuff run out of me there. <laughs> no, that's all good. That's all good. One thing is that there are two things you brought up there that are fairly linked to each other. You mentioned amino acids and leucine. So, so from, that's kind of where we were eventually going to go with this, looking at types of proteins that, all protein is not the same. The, the different sources that it comes from, they have, so proteins made up from a number of amino acids, amino acids, both essential and non-essential. We're not going to go into exactly what they are right now, but from a number of experimental studies that started off looking at, first to find overall protein recommendations, and then to dig a bit deeper and see do different types of protein matter, they have found that of those amino acids, leucine appears to be the most important one for health, for not preventing muscle breakdown, but encouraging muscle turnover after it's been broken down from resistance training. And then to dig into different types of protein, those proteins that come from animals tend to have the highest levels of leucine. Now from animals, obviously enough, meat comes from animals, but also dairy, milk, yogurt, whatever like that, and eggs, they also are derived from animals. You, you should know biology, how all this basic stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> so, any of the animal-based proteins will tend to have the highest levels of leucine and so contribute the best to um, overall muscle turnover um, to encourage just, you know, after that breakdown in the gym, recover next 24, 36, 48 hours, something like that. Uh, any of your own thoughts on that then, Shane, just looking at types of protein sources, what you've looked at and what kind of has guided your preferences over time? Yeah, well, I'd definitely be an animal protein lover, so I've no problem on the leucine front. But yeah, again, it's so, like, as you guys mentioned, it's generally not something, like, in the traditional Irish diet, I suppose, where it's, like, it's mainly built around kind of eggs, your meat and two veg. It's never usually a problem because you're getting it in from kind of leucine-rich foods. It's only really when you touch on the vegetarian, vegan, even vegetarian, not even to as much of an extent because it's usually fish, dairy, and eggs are usually... A staple of that kind of a diet and it's just an increased vegetable intake but it still has that prime protein source it's going to be that complete protein source so we didn't really touch on it but a complete protein source is essentially um, a protein source that contains all those essential amino acids that your body can't produce itself so it's amino acids that have to be gotten through the diet so I suppose the positive for vegans is if you do have a varied diet with a lot of different vegan protein sources in it you usually do hit all those markers. So again, like they're not, there's not a lot of complete vegan protein sources, but they're all incomplete in different ways, if that makes sense. You're almost trying to put the jigsaw puzzle together to get to hit on all of the, the essential amino acid levels. So again, it's so important to have that varied. And that's when like a supplement, like say something like a pea protein can come in handy. If you are someone who maybe gets predominantly gets their, um, their protein sources from from beans or from soy or from things like that, but it's it's a one source you can look into because there is a number of different vegan proteins. And again, they won't really be complete sources, but they can help to fill in those gaps. And it makes it a little bit easier rather than trying to track every single thing you do to get the amounts of each amino acid because nobody, nobody can live like that. It's not sustainable, 
But if you do, if you can find a few, even it only takes maybe three or four different types to kind of piece that together and make sure that you have a complete protein intake, even though you're not eating complete, complete protein foods, if that makes sense. Just um, another point then I'd bring up on types of protein. What has grown massively in popularity in the last couple of years are protein bars, where we have our own kind of Irish version fulfilled, the Quest ones in America are one of the big ones to take off. And the quality or type of protein in those does not tend to be great. So when we go for conven convenient protein sources, whether it be the whey shakes, the, the protein milks that you buy, they tend to be very high quality protein. Now, way doesn't tend to include a huge pile of other nutrients as Damien touched on but in terms of just pure quality protein very high the protein bars are not the same now when they obviously don't give away their full secret on exactly what's in there um the the dairy protein tends to be a bit down the list and that the majority that's uh, contained in there tends to come from collagen collagen isn't that easy to, for the body to break down and actually use as middle of blocks for muscle and so like while a protein bar may say contains 20 grams of protein of those 20 grams i would say we're possibly only getting around eight maybe ten to actually use for overall muscle turnover as opposed to in whey or, or milk you're, you're going to get the majority of it and mm. it's, it's quite good and as protein goes fast to digest um I know, is it Rebecca Nolan is her name, T to triceps on Instagram, oh, yeah, Rebecca, has given yeah. some really good breakdowns on protein bars and just other nutrition stuff in general. Mm -hmm. She um, She's someone I'd actually love to get on this someday, so if you listen, hit us up. Um, otherwise, we'll probably just guarantee sometime. <laughs> she's from Kerry, man. Man, she's from Castle Island. I, I just wave at her there and sure, I'll, I'll get her on. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're, this is... This is your. This is on your to-do list now, Damien, for the next couple of weeks. So oh, brilliant! Write down as soon as homework as for the week. <laughs> um, any other thoughts then on just other protein sources or types that that may be a little misleading or people may not have full understanding of? I suppose on on bars when you said it there, like it's a great point. They usually are inferior, but they're not. They're not all completed equal either. Like there's very much a different standard in them. So usually you look to see there's a little. You probably won't see, or we won't be able to hold it up now, but there's a little Informed by Sport logo. It's like a little yellow man and he's running. But it basically means that the supplements have been independently uh, tested and usually that they contain quality ingredients and more than likely they are kind of a whey based. So things like the Grenade supplement, the Carb Killer Bars, are like that. And then there's other supplements. There's a handful of supplement companies who do do a higher quality protein bar. And again, like most of the time, protein bars are also not going to be the best kind of sugar and fat wise so if you look at it at a normal time it can be the same calories as say a mars bar same sugar content it just has extra protein thrown in on top of it so just because it says protein on it doesn't mean like it's great for you it just has extra protein in it like you can it could be anything and it just says protein on it that just means it has protein it doesn't fill in any of the other health requirements that you're kind of asking for so it's not necessarily a diet bar like some of them especially when i was living in america some of them can have five six seven hundred calories and all you see advertised is like 30 grams of protein. So you kind of, it automatically draws your eye and you go get it. But like it's, it's a meal or two in one bar. So it's just something to kind of look out for. Weetabix that, uh, normal Weetabix is I think 3.4 <laughs> grams per 100 gram. And protein Weetabix is 4.3. So it's not even a full gram extra per 100 gram. <laughs> but it's just but that, protein Weetabix on it. And that's, that's, a, that's a great point by the two of you is that like, the, the, we went through a phase a few years ago that seems to have left a lasting uh, impact on a lot of people where protein was just added to everything like i felt like there was a point where almost if i went to buy a shopping bag that it would be a protein shopping bag you know like 
it's um, just because protein is added to something does not make it healthier, which is often where I, 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 I suppose a yardstick that people love to measure off um, that because protein is added that it's, it's there for a healthy product. Um, over, you have to keep it in mind with your overall intake. And that's where just like going down like a food first approach, uh, having some idea what your overall protein you know, requirements are and seeing how you can find that, you know, figure out a way to get that in across your day. And like, there's nothing wrong at all with having protein bars before we get slapped with a lawsuit here uh, by, um, you know, any of the, the, the bigger companies or whatever, but um, there's nothing wrong with them. But treat it like you said there, Shane, like a chocolate bar with a bit of possibly poorly digestible protein added to it, you know, uh, or... Um, you know, it's just uh, if if you want to have it, you know, have uh, you know have it in your diet, then there's nothing wrong with that. The same way, there's nothing wrong with having any kind of confectionery or anything in your diet once it's you know limited and it it doesn't become a staple of your diet and you're not depending on it for your you know to to try and get your 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 protein target or whatever it is across the day. Uh, you should almost treat it like, and that's how I tend to ask people to treat them is treat them like a chocolate bar if you like having them go for it if not you know maybe find a bar that you do like you know and keep your overall protein intake as uh, something separate yeah if you want some chocolate have some chocolate if you don't want to go too mad and it doesn't fit into your overall calories have less whether it be alfredo whether it be one of the mini bars and you can trust yourself to keep a packet of them in the house and not eat them all in one sitting which is quite difficult i think we'll all admit but bear in mind that if you want a chocolate bar and you'll say, oh, I'll have a protein chocolate bar, that'll be healthy. It doesn't quite work as black or white as that. The last thing to move on to then is we look at some protein timing. So we'll all have seen the lads who go training and, and before they even go to do the cool down, they've pulled the chocolate milk out of their gear bag on the pitch because they're afraid they'll, they'll miss out on the potential recovery while they're doing their stretches. Or the lad in the gym who pours the water into the shaker before he's even moved on to his last work and set to, to kickstart recovery nice and early. How important is that protein straight away afterwards or does time and matter at all? Shane, you kick us off with this one. No, well, I mean, we've all been that guy who had water and filled up the shaker straight away after the gym, so let's not, let's, let's not badmouth him too much. <laughs> I mean, he's an all right guy. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so it's not really, like, it's been hugely blown out of proportion, and it's mostly, mostly on supplement marketing, really. Like, it's, it's that thing when you see Steve Cook or something, just have the shake straight afterwards, and you're like, God, that must be the answer. That must be the key is just having it straight away and get your recovery process started straight away. When in realistically getting carbohydrates in post is more important from a time sensitive point of view. So it's obviously if they can get it in within the next half an hour to an hour, great. But again, there's going to be minimal change or minimal difference it's going to make if it takes you an hour, two hours. If it takes the drive home, if it takes anything like that, it's not the end of the world. Like it's literally focusing on the tiniest minutia when it doesn't really matter. Like it's not gonna make a huge difference. It's not gonna make a noticeable difference to performance. It's really just with what's gonna fit into your lifestyle. So when it's convenient for you to get that protein in, it's more important to focus on your overall goal. So getting it in space throughout the day, it doesn't necessarily have to be programmed around that workout. Whereas when we talk about carbohydrates a little bit more in depth, they're gonna be much more important to program either side of a workout to make sure that you're replacing and kind of fueling adequately for performance. 
so yeah. I, ideally like your protein would be spaced out evenly across the day because it's very slow to digest the amino acids we talked about earlier they take so long to actually be broken down by the body and get fully around that when muscle is broken down it's not a case of the next piece of protein you need recovers it it takes two three days for that recovery to fully happen like shane was yeah. saying to start so you need those even doses of protein across the day if we were to say a meal was important in terms of timing you could probably say breakfast because you've gone eight to ten hours without a serving of protein there um as opposed to that shake and meal directly after training you probably have quite a lot of the amino acids if you had any kind of decent serving of protein in your meal pre-exercise game whatever it is don't amino, amino acids are still floating around the body and the blood afterwards anyway so they're helping with recovery it's not it's not a an on off switch anyway how, how recovery happens um in terms of any go-to foods that we particularly like, I know Shane, you're you're such a fan of oats. But do you have any favorites in terms of getting your protein in? Not that oats doesn't have any; it does have some there. But what are your own favorite sources? Uh, usually, because I find most people will struggle to get it in at a breakfast meal. So as you're saying, if I was to pick a meal where it's important, it would be breakfast. But it's also the one that there's fewest options, I suppose. Or most options that are picked would be like, say, during the week, most people would have cereal, or they'd have porridge, or they'd have fruit which is all like great options but there's very few kind of quick and easy proteiny sources things that are at least advertised at kind of a mass market so usually for um breakfast i'd have things like eggs things like greek yogurt with fruit things that are kind of fairly easy to take on the stomach because i know a lot of people wouldn't really be super up for having a steak in first thing in the morning but um yeah so things like that eggs eggs would be a good go-to for me chicken just because it's it's easy and convenient you can kind of batch cook it to a degree where you can have two or three days worth of chicken cooked up and then fire through it as you need so chicken chicken and eggs would be the main ones for kind of convenience and ease throughout the week i'd say damien you have been famed for having blue steaks for breakfast what else do you like <laughs> oh god <laughs> um no my, my go-to is i'm i'm actually i'm a big advocate of just consistency um so my my breakfast is pretty standard across the week it, especially this time of year i'll i'll follow the old king's um guidance during the the winter months but for the time being it's um i usually go for my uh, low fat greek yogurt or zero percent fat greek yogurt because they they tend to be quite high uh, uh the, i i've got the uh, the <laughs> um they're not the highest, so uh, we might look for someone else. Uh, Aldi's uh, own one, uh, own brand tends to be quite high. Ours, the like the Phage, the Faye one is um is like nine or ten grams, and uh, the the zero percent one from Aldi that I have at the moment is I think it's like nine point five grams per per hundred. So it's um that that's ideal uh, for me. I have um I usually have about two hundred and fifty grams of that for breakfast with some granola. Depending on what my day is, if I know I'm going to be exercising, it might be a bit bigger. Um, uh, some granola and fruit thrown in, so I kind of I get a bit of everything in uh, that way. Uh, or else, like I might have a banana bread or something like that made, or uh, if I'm putting in a bit more effort. Um, but again, I'll throw in some Greek, some of that Greek yogurt on top of that. So I like to keep things pretty consistent with that, if uh, if at all possible. Um, if eating out or anything like that, then I would be. I will go. I normally do go down the egg route. Um, 
but it's it I, with my first two options there that I go down with uh, for breakfast anyway. You can clearly see there's a degree of laziness in there as well. That where I'm just I'm not interested in cooking um, much uh, or making putting a whole pile of time into something for the first meal of the day, um, as my my dinners often tend to get quite a bit of focus. So, um, yeah, or something like even like last night. Now I'd uh, my 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 I'd dinner uh, an aubergine lasagna so very low calorie very high protein um uh in that i think i had 65 grams of protein in a serving um for 580 calories altogether. so like something like that this is kind of where i come back to with people like you know looking into your diet actually taking you know a keen interest in it uh for for, for a few weeks to build up a bit of knowledge in it that you can find it quite easy to get in large servings of protein while keeping calories kind of relatively under control um with, so basically not having to stuff yourself massively uh while meeting meeting your own targets um but yeah i, li- I like to express myself a little bit more with dinners but it the the breakfast i kind of keep it fairly fairly consistent with um a lot of greek yogurt yeah, because because I haven't been in school now for six months, I've gotten a nice habit of having eggs and what are actually I find a great go-to for protein. Now, I wasn't aware they were as high, but still low in calories, are both bacon medallions and actually packet ham, the wafer tin ham. It's like I didn't realize it, it was that high in protein and very, very simple to, to eat or cook or just put straight with some breakfast muffins or some cinnamons. And I'm back to school now and I, I won't have the, the time luxury every morning. I'll have to reconsider that. Uh, Shane was in there, but the, the batch cooking chicken, the cooking the bag chicken can be so handy to cook up six fillets at once and have quite quickly then to just heat them up on their own. I love cooking a few butcher's burgers as well, but you know, made for 5% mince, same with turkey burgers, have a few of them cooked, very easy, just have with some rice, pasta, spuds, whatever like that then as well. Salmon darns, you're talking about 28 grams, I think, for salmon darn. Um, one thing with eggs is they're not as high in protein as they're made out to be like it's it's six grams per egg so to have three eggs is 18 grams which is a moderate enough serving but that would lead to relatively high calories because you do have all your fats in there as well so while you do have so many other nutrients in them like eggs could nearly be classed as a vegetable there's so many other nutrients <laughs> in them that they are actually relatively high they are quite high in calories based on the actual protein content compared to a lot of other more traditional protein sources mm-hmm. um your zero percent greek yogurt another great example and you will have other kind of non i suppose what you'd say traditional protein content like oats will have relatively high protein um peanut butter is another one you need to be careful of in terms of like actually that much protein considering the overall mm-hmm. calories it contains um any others then go-to foods we have or little tips we'd have well, t- tuna for snacking Tuna is one of the best sources you can get for high protein, low calories. Um, right, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone's taste, that granted, but it, it's a fantastic uh, source of protein there. If you're looking to maybe get something, maybe you find it hard to get a, a good protein snack in uh, in between meals, or if you're looking to kind of um, up the protein content of a, a salad or something like that at lunch, um, then tuna is a fantastic uh, a source of protein there that often does get overlooked with that in mind though it does tend to be especially the tinned uh, tuna can be uh, uh, I suppose regular intake of that as in every day across the week you know across a couple of months it can tend to have um, high levels of mercury 
uh, in it. Or uh, so it's just to be careful with that. That it it's not something that you make a staple of your day to day. But just if you're looking for um, to change things up from time to time, the t- tuna can be can be um, a handy option there. Things like that banana bread that Damien mentioned. Usually that's kind of made like correct me if I'm wrong, but you would make that with some type of protein better as well, wouldn't you? So it would be relatively high for a snack. If you make something like that, it's roughly, again, I'm just talking from Damien's video, but it's give or take 10 slices. So it's 10 servings, which is the guts of two weeks worth of one snack a day. So something like that, putting a little bit of effort in one day leads to a constant source of something that you can rely on as a staple for the next two weeks. So it's not even, at the time it might seem, oh, baking's gonna be a bit of a hassle, but it's, it's two weeks worth of work essentially, rather than just going fiddling about looking for something for 10 minutes every day. And that's the thing is that it, 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 often people kind of look at it as like, oh, I'm not great at cooking. Um, I'm not I like, I'm, so I'm not going to look into that. I, I made one there last night and I didn't, everything in the mix because I had obviously in the house, the whole thing was put together and in the baking tin within 10 minutes, I put it into the oven and I went off and I made dinner. I did some work. Like I, 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 for the hour and a half that it was, uh, or the, the 60, 70 minutes, sorry, that it was in the oven. Like it, it, you're not glued to standing there for the, you know, for the time it's cooking. It, like in under 10 minutes, I had it made. And there's like, as I said, Shane, there's a great little protein snack there, a, or a, just a snack in general that's going to have great quality. I, I make that with like, with blended oats. So you have a great carbohydrate source there. Um, you've uh, protein inside there. You've some fruit thrown into it. And just to top it off, there's a little bit of chocolate chips inside there, and like so, you can you can tick a lot of boxes with something like that yeah. relatively Sorry, quickly. Go, go easy on the chocolate chips. This, this is supposed to be a health podcast. <laughs> Dark no chocolate chips. Oh, antioxidants, so healthy. Same. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes I'm finding handy, and I'm hoping it will become a staple when I go back to school next week. Oh, mentally prepare myself. Um, our egg muffins, so just beating up all your eggs, bit of ham, bit of spinach, uh, put them in the, the bun trays and into the oven for not as long as I thought the first time I made them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hopefully they'll be uh, handy enough sort there in the mornings. Um, anything else? Are we happy to wrap up on that? We're just on the 50 minute mark. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm good at everything. Yeah. So if anyone has any questions from this, yeah, just to shoot them on to us, that's the only thing. Um, if you if if you feel like we missed something or that there there's uh, an area that you're a little bit unsure of, then uh, any questions at all, shoot them on to us. We'd be delighted to to answer them for you here. Yeah. So next week we're going to take a dive into carbohydrate with a specific half hour section, just looking at the history of porridge oats. Shane is going to take us through it. <laughs> yeah. Going to bring Johnny Flavins in to help me with my presentation. And hopefully in a few weeks, Damien will have done his homework and bring on one of our one of our next guests there. And hold him to it. If anybody sees Damien out and about, remind him that he has homework to do before next week's podcast. Because <laughs> his mind tends to wander. Lovely. Thanks very much. <laughs>